Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control over their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. The PCOS Diva podcast is proud to be sponsored by the Oversense Real-Time Ovulation Monitor, helping women with PCOS take back control of their cycles. Ovasense is a true fertility monitor that can help you track fertility medications and supplements along with any positive health changes you make to see if they are having an effect. Ovasense consists of a medical-grade silicone vaginal sensor which tracks core body temperature every five minutes while you sleep. And in the morning, you simply download your data to the Ovasense app. It's quick and easy. Only Ovasense offers real-time, 24-hour, advanced prediction in cycle and ovulation confirmation with 99% clinically proven accuracy. And it will work for you even if you have highly irregular cycles. Find out how Ovasense can help you understand your fertility at ovasense.com US. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. Today we're going to be talking about fertility and as many of our listeners know and are probably struggling with infertility, uh, PCOS is the leading cause of female infertility. And the good news is that with lifestyle change, many, many women with PCOS can get pregnant. And um, I know if I've, I've shared my fertility story with you all, and after I made lifestyle change, I was able to get pregnant at age 37 after doctors told me that I would never get pregnant again without fertility treatment. So just want to let you all know that there's so much hope and there's a lot of information um, about fertility and lifestyle change on my site, uh, PCOSDiva.com. But today, we're going to be kind of talking about the points um, to consider infertility beyond PCOS. And I've invited Bridget Danner to join us to talk about this subject. And just to give you a little information about Bridget, she runs an online women's health community called Women's Wellness Collaborative. And through this community, she interviews experts in women's health through blogs, videos, podcasts, and online summits. Uh, she has a wonderful uh, summit coming up that I'm going to be excited to share uh, with you, and we'll talk a little bit more at the end of the podcast about it, but it's called Hormones Women's Wellness Summit. Bridget has practiced Chinese medicine for nearly 12 years and has performed over 12,000 treatments. She's also a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and she's worked extensively in the fertility field. So welcome, Bridget, to the PCOS Diva podcast. Hi, Amy. I'm so happy to be here, and um, hello to all your listeners. 
So let's jump into our topic. Um, so a woman with PCOS who is trying to get pregnant and has changed her diet and her lifestyle and has added some appropriate nutritional supplements and you know seeing a fertility specialist, um, but she's still um, you know having a hard time getting pregnant. You know what are some of the other factors that she should be thinking about and considering? Yeah, so, you know, there's a few other factors I thought we could talk about today, and one is the age factor, and the second is your partner, and the third is relation your relationship with your partner, and then also we're going to talk about basically your relationship to yourself and, and how you're feeling through this process. So, so yeah, I mean, what you're doing with, with PCOS work is so valuable on so many levels. I mean, one is you're healing your PCOS, but also as you get more nutrition, you know, that's helping to feed your cells the information that, that they need to do their job. Um, you know, I know you, you encourage, you know, moderate exercise and taking care of yourself and detoxing and all these things are, are really so potent. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for your work, and if, if people are listening and they're following your guidelines, I'm I'm sure they're well on your way. And like you said, like there's a happy ending with PCOS. Is it really is quite manageable with natural natural treatment. So so that's the good news. Yeah, absolutely, and there is a lot of hope. And you know, I'm I know you've worked with women with PCOS and you had a practice that was focused on fertility. And I'm sure you've heard from a lot of women um, that whose doctors have told them that they can't get pregnant with PCOS. And I just want to tell, you know, make that clear that a large majority of women with PCOS can. But there's some other factors to consider too. So why don't we talk a little bit about age? Sure. So... I, I think, you know, with celebrities getting pregnant at late ages, I think it can be a little bit deceptive that um, we can get pregnant whenever we want. And then also, you know, most of us are choosing to have kids later. We're kind of delaying that as we develop our careers or, you know, maybe we just haven't found the right person yet. And I think, you know, we have we have a really amazing culture here in the U.S. for women. You know, we can do so much. And sometimes we think, well, I can do whatever I want to do. Look at all these things I've created in my life. I can create a baby whenever I want. Um, but age is a, a factor. Um, it's just a biological fact. And it starts to decline, really, like perimenopause begins at 35. And perimenopause is when the ovaries start to decline in their function. Um, part of that is that the egg, um, the eggs are running lower. It's just kind of biological timing, right? We're not meant to keep having eggs till we're 80. So it, it starts to decline at 35. It, it's not a death sentence at 35 by any means. But I do find my ladies from like 35 to 39, I do see miscarriage more often. You know, the egg quality isn't quite as good anymore um, and then you know they could be experiencing more issues with their cycle than they used to so yeah outside of the PCOS conversation just if there's if there's less hormone being made if there's less signaling between the brain and the ovaries if the adrenals aren't uh, strong enough to, to support 
that um, slight decline in the ovaries. Uh, it is a factor, and it, it's not a, um, again, not a, like a death sentence, but um, it is something to, to consider. Um, and then when we get uh, over 40, you know, frankly, it, it does get tougher, um, you know, both for men and women. I was reading a statistic the other day that if a 45-year-old man is with, like, a 25-year-old woman, it, woman, it will probably still take them two years to conceive. And that's not on her. That's that's on him. So, you know, age factors in for both parties. And um, after 40, you know, the, our eggs have been with us since before we were born. And, and they have a big, big job to grow intensely and use a lot of energy, uh, you know, for fertility or once the sperm is, is in the egg. So, uh, you know, it's just, there's a, just a, a smaller chance of a successful pregnancy in any cycle. It doesn't mean there's no chance, but it often means waiting longer, which is exactly not what someone wants to hear after age 40, that they're going to have to wait longer to get pregnant. But, um, just some things to consider. We can also, we can talk about some ways to, to support it. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it is, it is going to play a factor, um, maybe to a lesser extent, 35 to 39, but, um, you know, 40 to 45, it'll play a, a pretty dominant factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, for women with PCOS, uh, you know, we find that, and we're finding that we as we age and kind of come into that period of time, 35 um, and older, that our cycles start returning to a more regular rhythm. Um, our androgen levels start to go down kind of naturally, um, and our hormones sort of regulate themselves. So for women with PCOS, um, it, it is, certainly isn't unheard of for your cycles to, to get, become normal. And if you had a really hard time conceiving in your 20s, um, I hear a lot of women that, you know, have uh, little surprises, you know, as they get into, you know, the late 30s, early 40s as well. Um, and I yeah, think that uh, you true. maybe could talk, I don't know if you want to talk about that and, um, you know, kind of the, the – and also there's been some studies that show that women with PCOS have um, – could, could possibly have um, a longer fertility window to um, that they're um, you know because they haven't ovulated um, as much throughout their life that they may be able to remain fertile longer. Yeah, you know, on the, I should have mentioned this right off the bat before I scared people, but yeah, I mean the the reduction in, in uh, you know, the amount of testosterone that's circulating as we age can be a benefit for women. And I just recently learned from another PCO expert who is um, on our upcoming summit as well, uh, Fiona McCulloch, that there, you know, there could be like a better egg reserve even mm-hmm. into our later years because you know, perhaps if we haven't ovulated as often, we have more eggs. Now, I still feel like there's the quality of those eggs with time is probably still a factor, but it might not play as much of a factor. Yeah, because if there's more eggs overall, um, that's just creating like a stronger signal out of the ovaries to the brain and 
So I think there there is an advantage there. And, yeah, it's really exciting um, unless you don't want to have a baby. Then, then, it's, then you need to be careful. Like you said, the Oopsie Babies could be coming at, at 37. Um, I can think of, a, yeah, my, a friend of a friend who kind of gave up on, on getting pregnant. And, um, you know, she never really kind of pursued natural medicine. But, um, yeah, totally, you know, had the, the Oopsie in her late 30s. They were very happy. Um, and, yeah, she probably had a PCOS case as I kind of, you know, was in my armchair reflecting, reflecting on, you know, some things <laughs> I saw with her that I was like, yeah, well, it's it's really great and it's it's really exciting. Well, I'm excited to hear that Dr. Um, McCullough is on your summit because she's just a wealth of, of knowledge, and I believe she has a book coming out, um, you know, within the, yeah. this year, I think, maybe later this year. Um, so definitely I'll be, I'll be tuning in to hear her, her discussion on your summit. So you had mentioned uh, about partners and that their age is a factor, too. Um, but maybe you could speak a little bit about what other factors um, to consider you know, with your partner. Does, does his um, nutrition and his lifestyle really matter? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely think it does. And, you know, women are so complicated in our reproductive health that we get a lot of the focus of for the fertility treatment. Um, and we're usually the, the, the drivers in the healthcare discussion and the, you know, the treatment options. Um, I mean, I've been practicing fertility. I was practicing fertility a long time and I never had a man call me and say, I'm looking for, you know, help for, for our case. So, you know, it's always a woman kind of making the decisions and seeing the doctors. Um, but the fact is, so they say that in, in cases of infertility, a third of it will be male factor alone, a third of it will be female factor alone, and another third will be mixed. So really potentially there, you know, two-thirds of cases <clears throat> involve male factor. And one could be aged, like we mentioned, you know, if if you're 40, probably your partner's around 42, not necessarily, but, um, you know, that's, that's one thing to consider. Um, but yeah, also, you know, his diet is, is important, just like your diet is important. Um, and you were telling me before we got on air that you've heard a lot of women, you know, be frustrated that they're making changes and their partner isn't. And, and I hear the same thing all the time. And, um, you know, hopefully we can kind of keep changing the discussion about that, it, you know, it, it takes two. Um, and, and hopefully in the more conventional world that comes across too because, you know, sometimes women will tell me, oh, you know, yeah, we saw our reproductive endocrinologist and, you know, she said he's fine or she said there's nothing he can do to change his sperm quality, which frankly is not true. But there are other doctors who do have more education and are putting their, their male clients on antioxidants and fish oil and, and having him do some things to enhance his sperm quality and nutrition. So that's really good. And, you know, the tricky thing about the conversation with your partner is, you know, force and fighting, you know, is, doesn't really work, doesn't really make things better. So there needs to be other options for how to communicate and, and how to go go about that um, that we, we can talk about. But, yeah, so there's, there's his nutrition, which, you know, he's making sperm all the time. Unlike us with our eggs that, you know, started out so long ago, our eggs still get nourished by our nutrition, but men are making sperm all the time. So if 
if he, you know, if you have intercourse today, he just made those sperm a few months ago. So he can really change his quality of sperm very quickly, which is exciting. Um, so yeah, his nutrition and then also his hormonal health, like just like us with we, our brains are communicating with our ovaries. You know, his brain is communicating with his testes. His dominant hormone is testosterone. So does he have enough of it? Um, and is, are the factors that lower testosterone playing in um, things like stress? You know, just like for us ladies, if we're under a lot of stress, we don't make as much um, sex hormone. You know, if he's under a lot of stress, he might not be making as much sex hormone either. If he's not exercising, um, he might not be making as much. If he's overweight, you know, his um, fatty tissue will be kind of putting out estrogens and imbalancing the testosterone. Uh, so, so one way to potentially approach this with your partner if um, some of these issues are going on in your relationship uh, are to just kind of focus on like the two of you just getting healthy for the sake of your own health and happiness. So if he's stressed at work and he's self-medicating, you know, with whiskey and ice cream and sitting on the couch, <laughs> he, that's one way to handle it. But there's also, you know, hey, let's take walks after dinner. Um, you know, let's go away to, like, a retreat weekend. You know, let's, like, eat some foods that he likes that are also healthy um, and, and get him on board for improving his own health and happiness because I think for either man or woman when you think, I'm just doing this to get the baby, it, you can start to get some resentment and it, it doesn't feel good. But if you think, well, hey, you know, actually I, I would love to be 10 pounds lighter and I would love to start riding my bike again, um, that's one way to approach it that gets him some more immediate wins and hopefully like the two of you can get on a page together to encourage each other to be healthy. Mm. I, I want to um, direct listeners to an article that my husband wrote on PCOS Diva um, because I think it's it's great to kind of hear a, a man's perspective about changing, you know, the lifestyle piece of it. Um, it took a while for my husband to kind of get on board. Um, and I think, you know, every guy is different. Um, and sometimes they have to do it at their own pace. Um, but... You know, my husband, he, he's in the article he writes, um, you know, how much he loved beer and cheese. Um, but he decided that he loved, he loved me more. And, you know, instead Aww. of, I know, instead of, you know, throwing back another slice of pizza while I was, you know, eating, um, kale and quinoa and chicken, organic chicken or whatever for dinner, um, you know, he, he decided that it's, you know, it's a, it needs to be kind of a family lifestyle change. Um, and it's only benefited all of us, especially my husband, because he's um, in much better health um, than he was, you know, five, seven years ago. Um, but, you know, I think part of it is just not nagging and just, um, you know, leading by example and by eating well and taking care of yourself I mean, you become a stronger, happier, better person, and um, I think my husband thought, you know, I want a little, I want some of that. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm going to post the link to the article under the podcast because I think what a lot of what you were saying, um, he kind of shares in that. 
Um, so it's not a lost cause. There's many um, husbands that have kind of come on board, and, and I've heard, you know, lots of divas talk about, um, you know, their husband making the shift. But it's a process, and it may not happen overnight. Um, but keep encouraging, I think, rather than nagging. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that just puts the relationship in the in the wrong dynamic, and you can get frustrated sometimes. Um, I just got frustrated my husband this morning because, like, I don't use a microwave. I'm against microwaves, and I found out just today that he has a toaster oven at his work, but he still like will microwave the food that like I lovingly made with like organic <laughs> ingredients. I was so mad. <laughs> and, uh, but so I get frustrated, but at the same time, like you said, you know, I kind of lead my example. Like, he, he gives me a hard time sometimes, like, why can't we just have pizza? But, um, you know, he's happy to eat what I cook, and um, when he goes away for a work trip and eats pizza for three days, he comes back saying, oh, I feel awful, like, what are we having for dinner? <laughs> you know? So it is a it is a bit of a process, but I think you know we all feel better when we eat better. It's tricky with fertility because if you perhaps have waited to, you know, nine months into trying to think about you know getting healthier, you you have some anxiety or you know you feel like you're behind. Um, so you know, ideally, we like to start the conversation on creating a healthy body much sooner, you know, if possible. If you're already nine months in, then don't worry about it. Don't beat yourself up. But, you know, you are, like you said, you're creating a healthy family. And even if there's only two of you now, there will be more of you. And think about what family you want to create. I think that's a great conversation to have early, you know. Because when you're two working people, you know, maybe you're getting takeout, you're working late, you know, these kind of habits form. But is that what you want when you have a family? Well, probably not. You know, you probably want to have dinner at the table and you want to go to the park. You want to be like that, you know, the family that that you envision. So creating some of that sooner I think is a great idea. You know, can you two sit together and have dinner at a decent hour and, and that kind of a thing? Um, and then, yeah, if you're nine months in, still do that also. I love that point, and that's such an excellent point, Bridget. I mean, I feel like one of the the greatest gifts that I've given to my kids is to teach them how to eat and cook healthy food. Um, I think it's Mm. kind of the cooking part is a real lost art, and if you and your husband aren't comfortable in in the kitchen, I think that that's something that can be a real relationship builder, then go take some cooking classes together or, you know, on a on a Friday night, plan like a special menu and, and get in the kitchen and, you know, I call it sizzling in the kitchen and cook together. Um, you know, it can be a real pleasurable experience and you're doing something good for both of you. Yeah, I, I'm trying to do more of that. Like, I do get my son in the kitchen sometimes, but, you know, I think even I, again, I can be an area where you can get resentment, you can feel the resentment come up if you're not careful. Like, sometimes, mm-hmm. I always get stressed at, like, the end of cooking a meal because it's, like, the timing is getting really critical right at the end and we got to get the food out, you know, before it gets cold and all that. So I'm realizing, like, I need to engage him sooner to be in the kitchen sooner because if I'm like, okay, I need help making, the, you know, setting the table, 
you know, he's kind of wandering in and I'm already like a little bit stressed out Mm because dinner is like ready to go. And so I'm like, I really need to just get him in here sooner so that I can ask him to help like in a peaceful way. And so I've been trying to do that a little earlier, you know, have him, yeah, have him prep a bit or just like, Hey, why don't you just come in the kitchen and like hang out and talk with me while I'm cooking um, Mm -hmm. so that we can be together. So yeah, it's, it's a really important thing for, I totally agree. I mean, cooking is becoming a lost art and if you want to be healthy, you really, you know, you have to start to, to cook. And I was not a master chef when I started to cook. Like, probably like like you, Amy, like I was like, you know, just, I was, you know, on rice and maybe some steamed mm-hmm. broccoli or something. Um, lean cuisine. Little by little. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, microwave your lean cuisine. Yeah. Um, yeah, little by little you learn, just like you, you said, little by little you, you learn. You also had mentioned um, sperm quality and um, how, you know, people say that there's, there's some doctors say that there's not much that can be done. Um, but you're right, there's absolutely a lot that, that can be done. And um, I just wanted to point people to the podcast that I just did with Dr. Mark Ratner. He's a male fertility specialist, and we talked about um, antioxidants um, like vitamin C and um, is acetylcysteine and acetylcysteine CoQ10 selenium um and you know he had suggested some nice supplements um blends for male for to support male fertility so check that podcast out but you're right Bridget you know i think a lot of times you have to become educated and be your own advocate at the doctor's office i mean be a diva and you know you may you know Go with your husband and advocate for him as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think as we as we move into fertility with our partner, fertility questions, we often are coming from a different value system that doesn't come up till we're in the in the mix, so to speak. Like, you know, I, I think you you told me earlier, like. You know, the women's, women are often more enthusiastic about natural treatment and they believe in it and they've done the research and then their male partner is like, oh, that's a waste of money and yeah, that's snake oil or something. And mm-hmm. so it becomes like a thing where you just kind of have to get on the same page and he probably has his, his own feelings that, you know, it can be more embarrassing for men than women to be involved with fertility issues. So, you know, just handling those conversations with some tenderness for each other so you can find some common ground um, is really important. Um, and it's a good, like as you say, we're laying the foundation for our family. Um, you're going to have more difficult choices as you raise your children and 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 grow old together. So, you know, learning to, to communicate and understanding where each other are coming from so you can kind of create a common common front is is great so i think we we really touched on some great points to consider um infertility beyond pcos i mean we talked about age we talked about um your partner and what you can do to help your partner and then you know that that importance of your relationship i i love that that point and i think um also mindset plays an important role in fertility. I uh, had spoke with Amy Ropp um, recently, 
and she we did a podcast and she was talking about you know instead of having like an, an infertile mindset so like I can't get pregnant I'm um you know I suffer with infertility you know kind of switch that and reframe that to you know I'm I'm for you know fertility challenged and the focus being on you know the fer- fertility part or I'm just you know it's taking me a little longer um to you know achieve fertility and you know I thought that was kind of a nice mindset tip do you have any other thoughts on how you can kind of shift cuz infertility that whole infertility journal is a uh, journey is just a roller coaster I know I've been there um and it's hard to not sink into the negative you know do you have any other thoughts about how to kind of stay up and positive Mm, yeah, that's a great tip she had. And yeah, everybody has their own their own timeline, right? We don't totally get to decide everything. Uh and that even that alone can be hard because I think we feel like we have so much control in modern life, but we don't unfortunately have control over over this bit of timing. Um so yeah, I mean some of my favorite clients are the ones who are just like really able to stay grounded and 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 find some hope and and not to say you won't have some hard moments i mean there's some really tragic things that happen you know to to become pregnant and and miscarry is is heartbreaking or you know to spend thousands of dollars on an ivf and it, it doesn't work is crushing um but some of the women i've seen you know really stick through like very long processes they just kind of will often say, "Well, I know, I know, I'm going to be a mother. Like, I know it's going to happen for me, and you know, I know, I know that's what's meant for me." Um, and I think that's a healthy attitude, and it also like allows you to be more open to to how it will happen, because you know some people do end up adopting or becoming a mother in another way, and and that's I can tell you from you know being the observer of many of these situations, like they're always just as happy whether they had an egg donor or a sperm donor or whatever happened, they're always just as happy with their baby. So, um, you know, also kind of concentrating on what you want rather than how it happens, I, I think, can be good. Um, you know, it's it can be very crazy-making. So just doing practices like you teach Amy to stay grounded, you know, meditating, journaling, having gratitude. I know you you teach about that, and I think that's huge because we can start to feel like our life is all about lack uh, because we don't have the baby that we so want. But, you know, we probably have a partner. We probably have a job. We probably, you know, there's a million things. We can write a whole journal about our cat and how great he is. Um, So just, yeah, having that attitude of abundance and gratitude, that always attracts more, right? And you're attracting the people to help you. Yeah, you're attracting that energy. And um, and then, yeah, like I think just like we mentioned earlier, kind of slowing down your pace and having some kind of like space for a baby. So if you're going 90 miles an hour to spin class and work and, cocktails and like where is the space for a baby in that lifestyle so I think it's a great idea even though you know you could tend to want to choose to be anxious and fill your day with google searches and thoughts about babies uh, slow down the day make space to be in nature to have a cup of tea kind of bring in that that pace of 
you know how motherhood is. It's very slow paced when you have a new baby. Um, so it just kind of brings some of that in. Um, and then I guess lastly is like, don't isolate yourself. Um, there's, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you're taking longer to get pregnant. Um, you don't have to talk to everybody about it. Um, but talk to some people that you feel safe safe with, um, you know, whether it's your PCOS diva community or if it's your acupuncturist or, you know, if you have a coach or you have a friend who's been through it, you know. I think being so bottled up with all the feelings is a, is a, is a hard uh, burden. So, you know, find some outlet for that. Those are all great points. Um, and I just am so pleased that you came on and, and talked to us about this, this subject today. And I want to make sure that, that we have a, a chance to learn more about your hormone summit that's coming up because I think there's going to be a lot of speakers that women with PCOS will um, resonate with and, and will, will learn a lot from. Yeah, so there's there's you, and we mentioned Fiona McCulloch talking about PCOS, but there's lots of kind of background information about mm-hmm. hormones, how how your gut interacts with your hormones, how your brain interacts with your hormones, how your adrenals interact with your hormones. Um, and we talk about life stages. I talk about fertility. We have someone talking about nutrition during pregnancy, what you might experience in your postpartum period. Um, and, if, you know, we're talking a lot about babies today, but, you know, it's not just for reproduction. We also talk about perimenopause, and we talk a little here and there about, you know, raising our daughters and teaching them about their cycles. So I guess I would hope to really just empower people, women in particular, with more information about how our how our bodies work and from there we can feel like less of like a victim of these crazy forces within us and have feel like a little bit more like, okay, like I can influence how I feel in the day or throughout my month and um yeah, and give, give some tips and give some hope. Well, that is so important, the hope piece. And, and I'm just really thrilled to be um, part of the summit. There's a wonderful um, group of speakers, and you know, there's so many summits out there nowadays, but this is top-notch, and, and I really encourage people um, listening to check it out. And I'm going to um, have a page on PCOS Diva with more information about the um, upcoming Hormones Wellness, Women's Wellness Summit, and you can find that at pcosdiva.com slash hormone summit. And I will um, put the link at the bottom of the podcast page as well. Thank you, Bridget, so much for, for joining us, and um, we look forward to joining you on your upcoming summit. And just give us the, the dates for that. Oh, sure. It's April 11th to 18th. Uh, we're in, in 2016. So if you catch this um, after the event, you know, once it's, it's it's free while it's live, you can still purchase it once it's over. Um, and then, yeah, you can always just, if you want to be a part of a, a second women's health community besides PCOS Diva, um, we're at Women's Wellness Collaborative if you want to search that. Um, yeah, we have ongoing resources as well great and i will definitely post that below the podcast too well thank you everyone for listening today and i look forward to being with you again soon bye-bye
Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.